Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm just fine. I'm just fine. Always good to be together. I know I say that every time, but it's true. It's absolutely true. It is very true, Dr. Jane. And I don't mind you saying it every time. I think it's great. <laughs> it's it always it's a reminder of how great it is. So, but you know, today I was thinking about our last conversation, you know, when we discussed the multitude of distractions that keep us from being present and aware. And the very foundation to knowing ourselves and hearing the call to be our best and highest self, you suggested that we take a break from our devices, inventory, our priorities and values, and assess whether we live these or merely give lip service. Ah, yes, that's right. Yeah. You you know, Anna, we were framing living from what's most important to us as a bona fide call to the hero's journey. You know, that the question is, are we living our most cherished beliefs and values? You know, and if not, what stands in the way? Is it me? Is it someone else? You know, uh, maybe my lame excuses or justifications. I mean, that's always a that that's always a factor. You know, it's about getting honest and calling ourselves out on what's really happening. Yes. And I you know, I and I was progressing quite nicely and taking an honest look at myself. And then I caught the news item about the metaverse. Talk about the ultimate distraction. <laughs> the whole concept is really wild. Uh, you know, sort of out of this world, Dr. Jane. Well, you know, Anna, it's it's big news. It's a big news item. You know, a futuristic idea that's currently operational and people are apparently seeking this forum in droves. And Dr. Jane, let's talk about it. You know, why it attracts people and how it supports or diminishes our quest to be the best version of ourselves. Well, Anna, okay. You know, let's put on our video <laughs> gear and, and let's go for it. Um, you know, I think what we're seeing is a replay of the internet of the 1990s. You know, if you recall back then, web users were initially initially uh, really prisoners of their online services. And yet by the end of the decade, uh, they were able to move beyond those kind of prison walls and became what's referred to as interoperable. You know, they could cross service lines and communicate and gather information in virtually endless ways. So the metaverse is is currently in the same state as the early internet. Actually, there's no real metaverse as a whole, but a whole set of prototype metaverses and companies, apparently that are aspiring to develop proprietary platforms. So it's all really a future version of the internet. And within it, the boundaries between reality as, as you and I know it and virtuality become really, really blurred. Um, there are a myriad of, of immersive spaces and social and collaborative experiences that are available. You know, you you can purchase these. I mean, everything is for a fee. And there's also the economy is based on the creation and sale of both physical and digital assets, which I find wild. Yeah, this is this is really wild. And, and, and can you tell us more about the immersion experiences? Well. You know, Anna, as you saw on the news media, you know, people can, for a fee, buy a character on the metaverse and create and assume the identity of the avatar. So they can purchase a wardrobe, a car, entertainment, 
you know, these assumed identities are called avatars. Um, also for a price, real estate is for sale, I mean, both commercial and residential. So what we're seeing is stores and companies and organizations, you know, with high-end merchandise currently bidding in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for prime property. And I also see that churches are also cropping up with full-scale chapels catering to people who would not make a church appearance in everyday reality or who maybe are unable to attend services for oh, could be um, a myriad of ideas, uh, uh, reasons. Um, you know, maybe they're disabled or they have social phobias. Um, maybe they're not wanting to be seen or recognized by others. Yeah, so I, I have seen all that and I just find it so fascinating. You know, Dr. Jane, this is big and, and getting bigger. You know, the news media really makes it sound like people are already spending incredible amounts to be on the ground floor of the creative process. It's hard to imagine how or in what direction it will grow. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, and some of the immersion experiences, you know, on the on the positive side, provide excellent firsthand opportunities to gain experience in, oh gosh, you know, like precision skills or um, being able to apply knowledge in a variety of scenarios. You know, one article I came across described a rich firsthand experience that the metaverse could offer students in medicine, dentistry, physical therapy, you know, and even outside of healthcare, you know, there are skills that can be learned in architecture, aerospace construction. I mean, it goes on and on. So there's also some indication that it could assist people going through trauma treatment, you know, learning social skills, you know, overcoming phobias or, or in the treatment of panic and anxiety disorders. So it allows people to do things they, they might not otherwise be able to do, both in treatment, but also, you know, in, in other ways, you know, like in entertainment or travel, you know, you can see places you might not be able to travel to, or you could, <laughs> we could learn how to bungee jump, you know, on the metaverse, Ada, you know, you name it. You know, according to many, um, it has infinite possibilities. That's incredible. But yet there's an underlying sense of unease that I experience hearing about it. It's about people assuming another identity as an avatar. Just doesn't feel right to me, Dr. Jane. Well, you know, my hunch is, Anna, that you're experiencing a keen sense of uncertainty and and maybe even a lack of, a, of safety, which, quite frankly, is appropriate. You know, we don't know who that fellow avatar is in reality. Yet, Anna, when you think about it, that dimension isn't so very different from this reality. I mean, say I meet someone today and they tell me who they are. Um what they want me to know about them is what they tell me, but is it true? You know, have they assumed an identity to schmooze me, you know, or maybe, maybe to get me to invest in some scheme where they'll run off to South America with my life savings. I mean, it, this happens, you know, it's a wild card, but it happens in this reality. You know, so my point is we don't know how things will be regulated in the metaverse. You know, we know it's been enormously difficult, you know, in this reality and also on the internet. Yes, I'm imagining that people are different in why they sign up and pay the big bucks for the avatar experience. Well, you know, and I think that's worth exploring. I mean, one element that I found fascinating about the creation of the avatar experience is that the creators are 
are looking to go beyond the usual characters of the gaming era uh, era we've been in. I mean, um, let's face it, the gaming enterprise continues to generate millions of dollars and it hooks participants because it aligns them and they want to be aligned with virtual uh, giants, Goliaths who Hmm. blast and conquer and pummel their perceived enemies. I mean, it's really about ruthlessness that wins the prize in the gaming era. Oh, gosh. Well, I find this a bit disturbing. It makes me sad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And one of the interesting features in the creation of the metaverse has been to create experiences that touch into one's felt sense of who they are as an avatar. So you're not just playing a part or pretending, but actually having the experience, the personal experience of your avatar. So the virtual reality becomes in some sense kind of a true reality when you're in character. Oh, wow. Well, that doesn't help much with our sense of safety. Well, (laughs) I'm sure it doesn't. You know, this is one of the reasons that there are already mental health warnings being issued about the metaverse experience for people with oh, a whole a whole a whole array of of um, vulnerabilities, particularly psychosis. You know, these are individuals who have difficulty already discerning reality. So there are no screening protocols for the metaverse that I'm aware of. Um, so who is that avatar really? And again, not so different from this reality. Folks who are psychologically unstable or, you know, the psychopaths, sociopaths, uh, serial killers, and other predators don't wear name tags identifying themselves. Well, if we're up to, if it were up to me, I think they should, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't disagree. You know, there are some reports that on opening day of the metaverse, you know, several avatars were accosted by others. So it's already a reality in virtual reality. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's all playing out on it. And as with what we saw with the evolution of the internet, we need to be prudent as we enter this new virtual reality. Yes, I'm all for being prudent, sensible, and wise. I definitely agree, Dr. Jane. And we've been discussing the hero's journey as it parallels our conversations about our quest to be our best and highest self. Let's let's explore how the metaverse supports and challenges this quest. Well, Anna, in our last conversation, we highlighted how important it is for us to know ourselves and our intentions, our motives, all of these dimensions that are tied to our history, our conditioning, that early training, the formulation of our beliefs. And once again, it's about turning toward ourselves and having clarity about our intentions. You know, what am I looking for? How might this experience on the metaverse serve me? And sometimes we just want to try something new, you know? So see what it's like, you know? It's kind of similar to saying, you know, I I really would like to take a trip to Paris. (laughs) Well, that's innocent enough, you know? It represents our interests, expanding our life experiences. That can be very nourishing. But what's the catch? Well, As we've discussed in previous conversations, Anna, the bottom line is we're a culture that is prone to addiction. You know, back in the back in the old days, as I like to say, the (laughs) general opinion was that we could only be addicted to substances, you know, like drugs, alcohol. 
you know, but as I was entering my years as a psychologist 40 years ago, well, that dates me, uh, there was a movement to include other compulsive behaviors to the list of addictions. You know, anything that lit up the pleasure centers or allayed um, fear and pain in the brain had the potential to become an addiction. It was called a process addiction. So these compulsive behaviors include all sorts of escapism. They're innocent enough and safe enough to indulge in initially, but the potential lies within each one of us, whether we're able to control ourselves and not be consumed by the feel-good or the safety-seeking component of our experience. So these, these compulsive behaviors or process addictions can include gambling, shopping, you know, um, internet time, Facebook, spending, relationships, food, sex, this is just to name a few. Anything that lights up certain centers in the brain, right? And yes. it has, or it has potential to have us chasing after it again and again. That's right. You know, and, and no one starts out with the intention to get hooked or addicted. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when casinos started opening up in Ohio and across the country for that matter. I mean, in any case, the treatment of gambling addiction skyrocketed. You know, because both the win and the anticipation of the win are extremely seductive. You know, it takes over the thinking process. Okay, so that's the context where we're talking about our human propensity to become addicted to people, places, and things, which take us away from life on life's terms and, you know, any and all discomfort. Well, and, and it... It's not always the addict's story that life was all that uncomfortable. I mean, sometimes the seduction, that, that seduction of wanting more, better, or different, that's the draw. I see. And the metaverse may offer any of those or all, right? So That's right. Yeah. In the new reality, we can be more, better, or different with a mere purchase of our new avatar identity, right? So, wow, <laughs> that makes, you know, that makes such sense to me. Yes. And again, it can start out fairly innocently, you know, never anticipating that this new novel attachment could take over our life. You know, there used to be this saying that I'd hear time and time again, you know, I used to like it, but then it became a habit. Mm, well, sometimes I wonder if, humankind will ever learn, you know, will we see the dark side of this big idea and tread carefully? I'm sure that the publicity, marketing, and media coverage will make it very enticing for all of us. Well, and isn't that an age-old issue as well? I mean, whether we're talking about the industries of, you know, fast food, dairy, sugar, you know, the meat industries, soft drink, tobacco industries, you know, they've all led us to believe that their products would be assets in our daily life. And let's face it, we also have been told that we can achieve celebrity status if we wear certain brand names, buy certain cars, live in certain neighborhoods, you know, and it's hooked, it's hooked millions. Marketing is meant to be seductive. It's called sales. You know, they dangle it in front of us. They tell us we can have it all. And don't we bite again and again? <laughs> we certainly do, Dr. Jane. And we're kind of like puppets, you know, letting others control our likes, dislikes, choices. 
This ties in beautifully with our conversations about our quest to live more consistently from our best and highest self, you know, starting with our awareness and knowing ourselves. Yes. You know, and and in our awareness, recognizing the outside influences and the self-limiting beliefs that don't serve us, that really don't serve our best and greater good. You know, it doesn't mean that we can't visit the metaverse. You know, I say, go for it. Have new experiences. You know, whether it's the metaverse or traveling to Paris or Bali or wherever, enjoy. (laughs) See if you can do it without leaving who you are. See if you can leave it without leaving your highest self, the best version of yourself. Mm, Well, I want to agree with you. Enjoy the experience. Yet losing ourselves seems like the real danger to me. Would we stop trying to discover our true self if we dedicated to, you know, if we're dedicated to inventing a virtual self with assets that come with a fee? You know, where's the hero's call in our time, energy, and money? Uh, you know, and money are invested in a fantasy avatar. And it just, I don't know, something about that just makes me feel very uneasy. Mm-hmm. Will we be too busy figuring out what to wear to make a grand entrance rather than peeling back those obsolete beliefs and behaviors and polishing our, you know, our honor code. Well, and that's why we have always recommended on in all of our conversations, practice, 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 practice in our quest to be the best version of ourselves, you know, practicing present moment awareness, cultivating the observer self part of our consciousness You know, these have been the fundamental components, the quest, you know, like the mindfulness skills that we acquire must be anchored in really what I consider, you know, three main pillars, intention, attention, and attitude. You know, the intention is our motivation, you know, pure intentions, pure intentions to serve our, our greater good or the greater good in general. You know, this is to be who we're called to be the highest self. And then that serves the greater good of all. And then attention is really being able to to practice focused attention or concentration, you know, and we build this as a skill that allows us very deliberately to place and sustain and shift our attention rather than letting our minds be pulled away every which way, you know, and then our mindful awareness is supported with a non-judgmental attitude of kindness and curiosity. So these three pillars of intention, attention, and attitude put us in touch with our internal and external experience as it's happening in the moment. You know, and this also contributes to what's known as emotional regulation, which is we're able to meet whatever arises in our lives, whatever is happening with a real sense of calmness and harmony. You know, it's, it's, as something hits us, comes into our life, we're able to say, oh, how about that? Dr. Jane, that was your favorite line in our mindfulness classes. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Still is. (laughs) Yes, I love it. So the takeaway is to step into new experiences, even the metaverse, you know, remembering who we are and what's most important to us. Be awake and aware of how it may trigger old habits, old beliefs, old feelings, and know ourselves. Yes, that's it. There, there's definitely a pull for us to consume, 
The key is to consume responsibly. You know, most of us don't recognize that we're losing ourselves until we're actually lost. So a regular check-in is important. You know, if it feels good, we're, we're going to find a way to do it again. It's just how it works. You know, if we're making excuses, and this very often happens, if we're making excuses to violate our boundaries, our, our, our self-imposed limits, it probably means we're hooked. You know, and any excuse that we come up with or any justification for behavior that we tend to come up with that runs counter to our health and wholeness needs to be considered a lie. So it's knowing when moderation is no longer working. You know, and for many of us, Anna, abstinence is really the only solution. Uh, yes. And, you know, it sounds harsh, but I get it. As you say, it may be the only solution. What might we do this week, Dr. Jane? Well, I'm going to suggest that we we anchor into our mindful awareness with practice time this week, you know, to stay with the fundamentals like we suggested last week, you know, starting with the, the welcoming breath, which is tracking the breath, the in-breath and the out-breath, and really allowing ourselves to, to have the sensations of the inhale and the exhale and our body's response to it. And then extending this to body sensations, you know, contact, my feet on the floor, clothing next to my skin, you know, the furniture holding me, you know, so this tends to be a foundational piece. And then let's move into watching our thoughts. So this is, this is where we move from that quiet, quieting our body to tracking the thought stream, you know, using the observer self to observe the thoughts, kind of moving across the sky of the mind, you know, nice, easy breaths, you know, feeling, again, like we have stepped off the train of the thinking, but we can still see what's going on without fueling what's going on. And mm -hmm. also, let's find the willingness to put away devices again for at least a half hour a day. And stay tuned for more media coverage about the metaverse, right? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to continue to hear about it. I know it's got a real big pull. Well, these practices are so important in our journey to becoming the best version of ourselves. Thank you for your insight, Dr. Jane. Oh, you're welcome, Anna. Thank you. Until our next conversation.